Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm Pastor Hayden, and with me is Pastor Evan. Hello there. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this very podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Really, it's about making disciples. So that's kind of what we talked about. That's, for like that's what we talked about. We are in uh, the latter stages of our series, Trials and Triumphs. Not the final, but the latter. Not the final, but the latter. That's right. And this sermon was entitled, Fishers of Men, from Matthew four eighteen through 22. Pastor Evan, would you like to read the text for us? As Chick-fil-A says, it'll be my pleasure. <laughs> All right, Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, what was kind of the main focus and point of your sermon this morning? Well, it's either either way, followers or disciples. You can say it either way, dealer's choice. Disciples of Jesus leave their old lives behind and take on the role of a disciple who makes disciples, or followers of Jesus, or Christians. All of those words synonymously mean the same thing, that at the end of the day, if we're saved, uh, we leave our old lives behind and take on the role of a disciple of Christ who in turn makes more disciples. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, uh, you had obviously several points, but also we have some questions with that regard. Before okay. we jump into the points though, um, you mentioned, you kind of try to try to define that a Christian and a disciple are the same things. You can't mm-hmm. se- separate the two. Right. So how has our culture as, you know, Western Americans particularly, how has our culture separated the two and why is it wrong? Incorrect. There's could be a lot of reasons why people uh, bifurcate the idea of being a Christian and being a disciple. Uh, and like I said, stated in my sermon, the reality is if we've made any of those uh, distinctions, we've made those distinctions on our own outside of scriptural distinctions. The Bible doesn't give us a difference between a Christian and a disciple. Uh, Reasons why people may is to create a two-tier version of Christianity, that I can be a Christian but not a disciple. Uh, A disciple is a varsity version of a Christian. Christian is a a JV version. I don't really have to participate. I'll leave that up to the professionals. That could be a reason. Uh, Maybe just uh, uninformed definitions of what a disciple is, and I'm hoping a bit uh, this morning, that was clarified quite a bit as we went through uh, Matthew four, eighteen through twenty-two. That we see this is what a disciple is, and we defined it. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to uh, make sure that we uh, left with is also, and, and we can touch on it here, is you can be a disciple who hasn't gone through discipleship, or at least a formal kind of discipleship. Now, I think every disciple ought to go through formal versions of discipleship, but for argument's sake, there are Christians who exist, who have been saved, who have uh, maybe got saved in a conversation or or some event in their past, who have not been a part of a Bible-teaching church, who have not uh, taken any kind of discipleship, hasn't even really set under biblical teaching other than their salvation, 
and they would still be called a disciple who have not gone through discipleship. And so I want to make sure that we keep those terms distinct because a disciple is is a is a noun. It's a person, a place, or a thing. Discipleship is the verb. And so yes, we can be a disciple. Uh, who hasn't gone through formal discipleship, but you got to also understand that being a disciple means that I have at least gone through a bit of discipleship because I can't even be saved if I haven't been brought to salvation by someone who is teaching me something. And so I don't want to create more confusion there. I want to clarify, because what I don't want to happen is people say, well, you know, I have never gone through discipleship. Does that not make me, does it mean I'm not a Christian? It's like, well, absolutely not. We're just saying that if you're a Christian, you're also a disciple. I mean, you could be an ill-equipped disciple for, you know, that's, that's a very true statement. But at the end of the day, uh, every Christian is a disciple. And if you haven't gone through discipleship or formal discipleship or progressive discipleship, uh, it would be a good idea to do that, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So point number one was to for us to get to know Jesus. And I, I don't know if you said in the 11, but the 9 a.m. you mentioned how that might seem like a very simple or maybe mm-hmm. elementary statement. But in reality, right. it is a uh, important and powerful thing to, to really comprehend and so why is it important, something we discussed uh, this week, that we don't follow some stranger named Jesus, but right. rather we follow Jesus of the Bible? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what are we trying to get at? Yeah, in the 11, I, I spent more time talking about this, particularly knowing of Jesus, knowing about Jesus, and knowing Jesus. Like, uh, the reality is we know a lot about a lot of people, don't we? I mean, you know a lot of things about the presidents, a lot of things about historical figures, a lot of things about people in your own community that you really don't know them, and they don't know you. There's quite a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them, particularly knowing them in relationship. And so we know Christ through a relationship that we have with him based upon things that we were taught about him, and the things that we knew about him led us into a relationship with him. And so for us, we have to understand getting to know Jesus is all uh, is all a part of being in a relationship with him. We have to know him. We can't just know about him. That's not where a relationship rests. A relationship rests in knowing him and being in relationship with him. So we always have to start with getting to know Jesus, particularly for people who say they follow Christ or, you know, who, who say they know about Christ's teaching. Well, it's not just about knowing those things. It's about being in relationship with Christ uh, and maybe knowing those things and, and with the knowledge that you have actually helped you start the relationship with you and Jesus, but it isn't the relationship in and of itself. The knowledge of should lead you into a relationship with Christ. And when we have this relationship with Christ, it's being matched with the things that Christ is all about. And how can we help our life group leaders kind of con- you know communicate to our life groups this week? How can we tell and communicate or illustrate um, or define how do we know our lives, essentially, is what I'm getting at. How do we know our lives are all about Jesus? How can we help our life groups see if that's where their if their life is truly all about Jesus or if they're just giving lip service? Well, ask yourself, what was Jesus' life all about? I mean, that was the whole point of that part in the sermon is saying, Jesus, what is your life about? Well, Jesus' life was all about submitting to the will of God the Father. God the Father had a mission to see people brought into right relationship with him. And so we see Jesus submitting to the will of God in that area completely, and not even in just the area particularly about salvation, but in all of the areas of his life, whether he lived, you know, eating, drinking, uh, sleeping, what he did on a particular day, all submitted to the will of God the Father. And then he saw lost people saved. That was his whole mission, is to see lost people saved. 
and then finally making disciples. And so it's like, okay, uh, how do I know I'm, I'm living the life of a disciple? Or how do I know I know Christ and following Christ? Well, submit to the will of God, see lost people saved, make disciples. Uh, those things are primary when it comes to knowing Christ and being, in, being a disciple of Christ. Okay. Well, point number two for us was to reject ambiguous definitions of discipleship. I'm very glad that you put the word ambiguous. Mm-hmm. In the yeah, point. It's a good it's, word. It's fun. So with that, there's a clear definition. And so maybe some of us, maybe people in our life group are kind of overburdened of from the sermon to go, wow, I realize I've not been doing what I've been called to do as a disciple of Christ and following Christ. How can we help people in our life who practically start somewhere to disciple someone today? Well, remember, being a disciple is knowing Christ by responding to him, by following him. And so really, you want to start making disciples, you got to start sharing the gospel with people. And so you practically start making disciples today by sharing the gospel. Uh, calling people to follow Christ, calling people to repenting of their sin, repenting that that separation that exists between them and God, uh, the enmity that that is there in between a holy God and, and a sinful sinful people, and so it's us responding to that that makes us a disciple, and so there's a practical start. There are many more things we can do after after salvation in the lives of people, but that's where it has to start. Okay, so then how can it help someone maybe begin to disciple others? Even if I need to follow someone, obviously we're helping them, encouraging them to follow their life group leaders and their pastors, maybe people within their own life groups. But how can then someone who's maybe immature in their faith, who's, I need to do this, how can I help them turn around and disciple others? Well, if if someone is dealing with uh, apprehension about making disciples, they have to ask themselves, you know, I'm, I'm a disciple because I'm saved, but have I learned how to follow Christ, and maybe it turns out they need some discipleship. They need to follow someone's life who is also following Christ, so they can see a little bit more of the ins and outs of what it means to be to be a Christian, to be a disciple. And, you know, the good news is anyone who is a disciple can make disciples, because uh, if you are a young disciple who has been saved, you can at least lead people to salvation because you're ahead of them in that area. And so really discipleship is following people that are ahead of you in, in their faith, you know, in their maturity, in their walk, in their Christian life. And so any Christian can uh, be a disciple maker because you can lead other people. And so even from the beginning, a disciple can make disciples simply by sharing the gospel. Uh, and then uh, the goal there is to find other people who maybe are ahead of you in your life and your faith and, and follow them and imitate them. Awesome. So with that, why is it critical when we're ever leading anyone or really following anyone that we're anchored to Scripture versus just discipling in our opinions and giving them the first and second opinions of our lives instead of, sure. hey, what is the Bible? You know, asking the question, okay, what does the Bible say about that? Right. Well, when we're following people, it is important that we do. There are people that we follow, people we respect, people we honor, people we send into their teaching. I think that's really important to the Christian faith, and, and it's, it's of utmost importance when it comes to Scripture. We see uh, that as a norm in the Bible to center the teaching of your leaders. Uh, but the leaders are always need to anchor themselves in Scripture, and it's not our opinions. I hope when you sit under the teaching of our church, even as your life group leaders, your leaders in our church. And, you know, we're hoping that people aren't just taking us at our word or your word as life group leaders, but they're taking 
Uh, they're taking God for his word, and that our job is to be conduits which people can see the word of God and come to know the word of God through our lives. And so it's not really about, it's not about our opinions at all. Now, we do have to apply scripture, and sometimes applying scripture means that there could be a lot of ways to apply it, and I think that's where we can be a help as leaders and pastors, but it should always derive itself from scripture, and its its application shouldn't just be an implication, right? I mean, implications are good, but we're not trying to imply scripture in people's lives. We're trying to apply scripture to people's lives, so we got to make sure that scripture is... uh, is telling us, hey, here's how we apply this in our life directly uh, and make sure it's broad enough where it is applicable, but narrow enough to where it's something we can actually do. And if you have more questions about that as life group leaders, we can definitely talk more about how to apply Scripture in our lives. All right. Well, last two questions kind of based on point number three, which was to characterize your discipleship with immediacy. How as life group leaders, how can we encourage or even help instruct our life groups to say, hey, think of who you can start discipling. How can we encourage the our life groups this week to think of the pre- people that they can disciple? Yeah, I think this, in an applicational uh, phrase, could actually be for you as life group leaders, uh, understanding your span of care. And this is something we're going to train you guys on a little bit more in-depth moving forward. But, okay, who can I start discipling? Well, let's think of our span of care. You at least have two groups of people that you should be, maybe let's just do three, three categories of discipling, right? You have, you need to disciple uh, new converts or, or people who don't know Christ. So there's obviously opportunities where you're sharing the gospel. And these people, probably many of them, some of them in your life group or at least in your uh, sphere of influence. And so there's a span of care. You need to be uh, discipling through sharing the gospel with people who don't know Christ. Uh, secondarily, you're going to have uh, people in your life group with great needs, you know, great needs. Uh, these people are going to be obvious uh, individuals who have a struggling marriage or they have wayward children or they have a weak faith or they're dealing with uh, some just great uh, issues in their sanctification and their personal lives. And these people uh, you need to walk with, right? Lead them, uh, let them follow your way of life so they would imitate it. Uh, so you have these people, and, and you need to prioritize these people uh, because they're important, and uh, they they show the need in your life group for further discipleship in people's lives. Uh, so you have these new converts, you have the people with great needs, and then you also have uh, potential leaders. Okay, Potential leaders are uh, so often those people that get the least amount of care in your group because they're pretty self-sufficient. They don't have a lot of needs, they don't have a lot of uh, problems, uh, they're people who are pretty mature. Uh, and so we are tempted to not invest in them a lot because they don't, they don't squeak, they're not a squeaky wheel, uh, but they are really the uh, individuals who are going to be leaders in our church in the near future. And so if we don't uh, disciple these people, we actually end up creating a lack of discipleship in our church because we, don't, we aren't raising up uh, potential leaders quick enough because we're spending a lot of time with the new converts or the people with great needs that we find that the burden of discipleship starts weighing on us because we have more of these people who are just now becoming Christians or more people that we're sharing the gospel with, and then they become more people with great needs, and we still don't have a lot of people who are potential leaders. And so the span of care that we look at, new converts or people I'm sharing the gospel with, people with great needs and potential leaders, 
we should spend time in those three categories and, and not forgetting to have potential leaders start walking with you as you're discipling people. If you're counseling someone, bring them in. Uh, if you're leading a life group, uh, have them co-lead with you one day. I mean, they're not going to be your co-leaders at this point, but they are people like if you're not there, have them fill in. Or while you're there one evening, have them kind of lead in front of you and meet with them and say, hey, I'd like you to, to try leading some in some particular areas. And you're starting to invest in them and giving them confidence and equipping them to do the very things that you're doing, which is discipleship. All right. And lastly, the last question is, why the sense of urgency? You know, we see them immediately leave, but why do we have the same kind of sense of urgency? And how can we convey this to our life groups this week? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be urgent to the truth. Uh, I think, uh, like I was saying earlier, the familiarity they had with Jesus uh, left them with the only option is I'm following this guy. Like if he is who he says he is, uh, that it's worth me dropping what I have, what I'm invested in, and invest and follow in him. And uh, there's that urgency in our life, knowing the all of Scripture and having it all laid before us. We see the urgency is uh, Christ is coming back at any time. And so there's nothing more important than us investing in new converts, people who are in need, and potential leaders. And so for us, the urgency is, uh, is obvious because Christ said that he's coming back like a thief. No one's going to know when, in a blink of an eye, all of those realities stand before us. And we have pe- people in our world, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our families who have a need to come to know Christ. And Christ has created disciples to carry on the mission of making more disciples. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, you've given us several questions for us this week. As life group leaders, uh, what way should we prepare ourselves? Obviously, doing the questions. But right. how, uh, how can we prepare ourselves for these particular questions this week? Yeah, you know, one of the things I hope you guys do, and I trust that you do, but always in a way of reminder, make sure you're answering these questions in its applicational form. Like, make sure you're applying it so that as you, you know, you're asking people, hey, what did you write down? How did you apply this to your life? That you're actually able to model through discipling how you're applying this to your life. I, I get, I think showing them, hey, this is how I'm taking this and applying the Word of God to my life, and it helps them say, oh, that's what it means to apply. You start noticing a big difference in your in your life group when people stop commenting and making more observations of the Scripture, and then they begin more applying the Scripture to their life. You start seeing the culture of your life group change because people start opening up, talking more about uh, their life in connection with applying Scripture and not just making it vague comments about what the Scripture means, uh, because the reality is is we, we can all agree on what the Scripture means. Uh, that's actually what the sermon leads to, and that's why we use these uh, cross-references here and these uh, Scripture references to help them uh, hammer down the topic we're talking about. But at the end of the day, we want them to hammer down what we're talking about so they can actually tell you and discuss together how to live these things out. And so make sure that you're leading in that, but also that you're calling people to that. Keep reminding your group, hey, we're not here just to be commentators. We're here to be applicators. And so make sure you're spending a good amount of time applying the word to your life group. And something I like to do um, with my life group is as I go through the questions and I apply them myself, I think of ways to go, okay, if I applied this, what changes in my life? What is the implications of, okay, if I start doing this in my life now, what is the next step? What's right. going to re- going to happen? I found that to be a beneficial question to where in some of the questions d- during our life group, we can go next step further in the deeper into discussion 
so that we can walk away, be able to understand how to even apply this in a deeper, deeper way. So life group leaders, use that tool when you're answering the questions, as Pastor Hayden said, ask the question, okay, so now what? What happens next? What changes in my life? And then think of your life group. I think of my life group all the time to go, okay, what do they need to understand from the app applying this, this question? And how can I then guide them to the next logical step? All right. Well, Life Group Leaders will come up with some trainings down the road on Ministry Grid, so just be keep your ear on the ground for that. But, Pastor Hayden, on our notes, we have like a bajillion announcements. Got a lot going on. God's moving in His church. He's doing a great thing. It's awesome. Yeah. So what's happening? So just a recap for our Disciple Now weekend. We had 58 students registered what? for our D-Now. I mean, that's, you know, my goal, which I always give us healthy goals. You know, I don't that, I make them stretchy, stretchy goals, the things that would be difficult for us to reach, but not impossible. And my goal was 50 students. And we had 58, which is which is such a praise. We had 58 students. We had uh, 15, 16 leaders, not including all of those who helped serve throughout the weekend, diving into the Word of God and what it meant to be called out. Called out. And I hope that you guys saw the recap video at service this morning, or you can catch that on YouTube and see a little bit of what the students uh, were able to do and, and hear this week. But be praying for those students. Be praying for salvations to come out of this weekend. Be praying for uh, discipleship to progress in the lives of these students and leaders. Uh, so take time now, even after this podcast, to be praying for the students who are at D-Now. We also have our women's breakfast next Saturday, February 25th at 9 a.m. And I'm really excited for Kayla to continue in the book James with you guys as we learn how to be doers of the Word of God as, a, as believers, as disciples. And then that next day, we have Exploring Compass after the 11 a.m. service on February the 26th, and then the next week on March the 5th. And so uh, we're probably going to close registration for that because we've kind of hit a limit of how many people can fit in the Compass Room. Uh, but it, registration is still open to my knowledge right this moment, and if not, they'll be able to register for the next Exploring Compass coming up in the next month. And then that evening, remember that we have our corporate prayer night. So we want you to be there from 5 to 6.30 p.m. as we worship the Lord, as we go to Him and intercede on behalf of our church and our community and one another to be praying for the Lord to accomplish His will in our lives and that we would be great uh, parts of what God is doing here in the Hill Country. Then the following week on March 11th, they were already in March, we have uh, our men's breakfast at 9 a.m. Always a reminder, all the men's breakfasts and all the men's events are on the second Saturday of every month, and all the women's breakfasts and fellowship are on the fourth Saturday of every month. If you can remember it that way, be easy to uh, put it on your calendar. And then finally, we have our Family Matters Conference coming up. We're so grateful to be able to announce finally, that. We can announce it. We can. Here it is. And it's on April 15th. Uh, we are our guest speakers for you guys, uh, for most of you guys may know. Uh, Pastor Mike Fabares will be here, also known as Dr. Mike Fabares, who uh, is going to be teaching on raising children and on Sunday preaching on marriage and uh, who actually, Pastor Mike's written a book on raising children. So raising men, not boys. There you go. So he would be a good expert in that. Uh, Rick Talcott, who is the uh, CFO of our church planning organization, as well as our sending church, who has uh, decades of experience in uh, real estate finance, uh, institutional finance, and personal finance. So he'd be a great voice to hear on helping us uh, steward our homes and our finances in a godly way. Uh, and then we also uh, have more to speak of, more people that we are confirming schedules and timelines, uh, but we look forward m more in the future to give you more details as all of these things shape up and uh, and as you guys register. But make sure that uh, you register 
soon at compasshillcountry.org. It's $10 per person. Compass Kids is available uh, for free for everyone who registers from birth to fifth grade. And uh, we also need people to serve uh, throughout our church. We need people to serve in the kids' men. We need, we need parking team, greeting team, all these people to serve that week. And so if you're interested in serving, please uh, uh, do so. Also, Life Group Leaders announce this to your group so that they will be able to uh, meet the need of our church as we're investing in the next generation that uh, we would be able to have enough people to uh, serve and put on this wonderful event for our church. All right, Compass Life Group leaders, we're so grateful for you guys. We're looking forward to your life groups this week. We're praying for the investment that you are putting into the lives of the people in your life groups. We're praying that you would remind them early to be there, to make a commitment every week to spend time in uh, in their small groups uh, being discipled. And so we look forward to hearing much, many great things about what's going on in your life groups. We look forward to seeing you guys soon. Mm-hmm.